You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. Uh, We're excited to say that we're coming up on our 50th interview, our 50th episode. So thanks to all of you who are listeners uh, and and to those of you who have been on the show uh, and to all of those who have reached out. It's it's nice uh, when some of you guys reach out and and tell tell us that you've enjoyed the show, that you've learned from it. It's rewarding for us uh, and for the time that we spend in trying to put these interviews together and, and get in contact with these millionaires. So thanks again for listening. If you'd like to be on the show as either a guest interview or a millionaire interview, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Our email is millionairesunveiled at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, millionairesunveiled.com. Per usual, if you'd like to invest in some multifamily opportunities, uh, we've got a couple deals coming up here soon uh, in the multifamily space in both the, the Northeast region and the Southwest region is where we typically do our deals. So if you'd like more information on that, please feel free to reach out. Uh, Historically, IRRs have been in the 20s. Uh, If you have any questions for any of our millionaire interviews, feel free to reach out. A couple of you have. We try to incorporate that in some of the interviews. We're trying to to branch out and kind of change up these interviews so they don't become monotonous, become the same over and over. We continue to work on other things with the show, including audio quality, And so thanks again for listening. Let's get into the introduction for today's episode. So on today's show, we have John, and he has a current net worth of $3.1 million. He's married with two kids in his his late 40s and splits his money uh, between the markets and real estate. He currently owns three rental homes and two primary homes, and he manages all three of those rental properties. Uh, he has money in, in Roth IRAs, 401ks, college saving uh, plans for his kids, and most of that is invested in index funds. We talk with John about his happiness levels and confidence levels as he's been able to continually see financial success. And one thing that's really interesting about this interview is at the age of 30, he had pretty much a net worth of zero. So in 15 years, he was able to build it to more, about 15 years, a little bit more, he was able to build it to over $3 million. So on average, it's about a million dollars every five years. And so we talked with him about how he was able to to grow his, his income so quickly and also grow his savings. He splurged and bought a Porsche. And so we talked with him a little bit about that purchase and how he bought it used and was able to fix it up. We asked him about generational wealth and what he plans to leave with his children. And then we finished with financial advice for those looking to become a millionaire and be uh, financially successful. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with John. Welcome to Millionaires Unveiled Podcast. Today on the show, we've got John. John, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're doing now? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, I'm in my uh, upper 40s. I've been an IT consultant for most of my career, probably uh, for the past uh, 20, uh, which means... I was mostly on the road um, up until about 10 years ago. Uh, there's been a switch to more of a uh, remote access type of consulting uh, these days. Um, but uh, this um, career choice has uh, given me the flexibility to um, live where I want to live. 
which prompted probably the biggest decision of my life, which was uh, moving from uh, a high-cost living area to a low-cost living area. Good stuff. And did you go to, did you go to college at all? Uh, yes, I did. I went to a large public university. Okay. And then after that, you went right into IT consulting? I didn't. I, uh, I, I thought I was going to be a, a programmer, a developer. Uh, that's what I got my degree in. Uh, but uh, after I got there, I uh, realized two things. One was I wasn't very good <laughs> versus my, uh, my coworkers. And the second thing is uh, they loved what they did. So even when we went out for lunch together, um, the, uh, the conversation was always about how to make their code better. Whereas I wanted to talk about the football game or <laughs> something more interesting, but um, they didn't, never wanted to. And uh, I came to realize that uh, this, this is effectively my competition in my career. And I knew I wouldn't be able to compete. So um, I talked to my, uh, my manager and he suggested I go out to the field and become a consultant. And uh, uh, for my personality wise, it was a good fit because uh, consulting takes a uh, kind of a mix of being technical, but also being personable. Um, and uh, developers typically aren't the most <laughs> social people. Uh, and so it's hard to get that kind of a mix of, of both. So, uh, and I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed uh, talking to people, enjoyed the technical side. So uh, I just stuck with it. Good stuff. So what is your net worth today? Uh, I just checked online uh, a few minutes before we started and it looks like it's 3.125 million. And, and how is that broken up? It's roughly, it's almost 50-50, exactly with securities and uh, with real estate. So the real estate chunk is uh, spread across five homes, and this includes the, uh, the we owe, I don't know, about 350 in uh, mortgages. Um, three of these houses are rental properties, and uh, two of these houses we live in due to a strange lifestyle we have. Are those single-family homes that you rent? Uh, yes, yes, they're uh, all single-family homes. Uh, we had never really uh, considered real estate or being a landlord as a as an option. Uh, but uh, after talking to our real estate agent, um, she suggested that's probably the best way to avoid uh, you know certain tenants, uh, avoid like headaches, um, and to sort of maximize, I guess, the uh, the rent versus. Uh, the cost of the house. And do you self-manage all of those? I do. Uh, and this <laughs> this was a sore point initially. Um, I, uh, I argued with my wife for a long time about doing this, but she just convinced me to try it. Um, and uh, I remember the first time I had to, you know, eat, there's always that saying, and I don't want to fix toilets my whole life. And uh, I had to fix the toilet and I was fuming as I was driving over there. Um, but all I did was uh, take a picture of the problem and I brought it to the local big box store and I showed it to a guy and he just said, here, grab this, grab this, grab this. And he told me exactly what to do. And uh, I actually fixed the problem and I got this, uh, it was a, a feeling of accomplishment. It's a, it's almost like a high. 
And from that moment on, I became really into just fixing stuff in general. It sort of was a, it was a very very cathartic to me, uh, working at a desk and solving technical issues um, for eight hours eight hours a day can be, I don't know, uh, tiring on your brain. Yeah, for sure. And fixing things, yeah, yeah, you understand. So fixing things is a, uh, it's very, I don't know. All I have to do is focus on one thing. You know, all I have to do is saw this thing straightly, or all I have to do is open, unscrew this bolt. Yeah, and, it's uh, tangible. It's a very, <laughs> yeah, a very easy thing to do, uh, but in the end, you get to see progress. Um, so uh, I, I really enjoy that part now. Good uh, stuff. In fact, uh, just after this call or this uh, recording, I'm going to... Uh, Go down to the go to the garage and make some drawers. <laughs> <laughs> so, how close are all these properties to your home? Uh, they're all within 17, 20 miles. Uh, the three homes—they're all within about three miles of each other. Wow. Okay, so let's get into your your securities a little bit. How is that broken up, and and kind of what are you invested in? Um, I'm. I would say most of it is in target funds. Uh, we just kind of just dump it into something very aggressive still. Um, I think target date is like 2045. Um, so it's probably 95% um, stocks and very little bonds. Uh, that's for our 401ks. Um, and everything else, Roth and the general... IRAs we have in just really low cost um, mutual funds or the equivalent, um, uh, what do you call those? Uh, the stock versions, I forgot the name. Index funds? Um, they're, yeah, they're index funds, but you know, like QQQ is one of them. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Can't yeah. Anyways, it's, uh, it's pretty much all low cost um, funds and we just leave it there. We don't really actively manage it or anything. So have you always maxed out your 401ks and, and Roth IRAs, or when did that get started? Uh, let's see. So when I first started work, I was too poor to do that. But as soon as I was able to, probably in my third year of work, I started to max out. Um, so I think back then it was, I don't know, 15K. Um, and my wife as well, as soon as she could. Gotcha. Let me just, I just want to back up here, big picture for a second. So you mentioned to us uh, prior to the call that your your net worth at age 30 was zero, almost zero, close to. Yeah. And then, you know, now in your late 40s, it's at over 3 million. So if you average that out, it's about a million every five years. How were you able to, what, I mean, first, I guess, what age did you first hit your million, become a millionaire? And then how were you able to grow it so quickly? Uh... I don't know when that was. Um, I would say it was probably just maybe, I don't know, maybe I would say 12 years ago probably. I don't know the exact date. Um, it just happened and we just looked one day and there it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we didn't. We don't really, didn't really look at the uh, total net worth um, much. We just continued to save. Um, the uh, the key for me was uh, it was the move to the low cost of living area. So I was uh, almost living hand to mouth, living in the high cost of living area, 
and even though I was making a decent salary, uh, I was part of it was just you know the cost of the living, and then but it's also kind of getting caught up in the lifestyle, trying to trying to impress people you don't know, um, and that was a mistake. Uh, so, uh, moving out to the country, uh, you don't need to do that anymore. And, you know, the housing costs dropped by, oof, we went from probably 3000 a month to like 600 a month for rent. Wow. It was, uh, and then all of a sudden without even trying <laughs> after a year, we had about 50,000 saved up and I had never seen that much money in my, in my account before. And I said, "Wow, this is uh, this is fantastic!" Um, and it, it got kind of uh, we got kind of caught up in those like, almost like a game where uh, we could see how fast we can grow that. And uh, you know, um, within two years, we had a hundred thousand, and uh, um, we just grew from there. And how did it start initially? Were you was it because of marriage? Was it because somebody got a new job, or was there something that kind of kickstarted you to say, "Hey, this you know we're spending three thousand dollars a month. We can't get ahead. Let's make a change." It was, it was. Well, we weren't quite married, but it was it was moving in with my my then girlfriend, but uh, became my uh-huh. wife. Gotcha. So she she took a job uh, at a in the rural area, and since I was technically flexible to work from anywhere i just moved with her um so and also the addition of uh, the addition of her income so we we were living separately before and we had moved in together so that uh, that also reduces cost uh cost of living too um utilities go down right so you start saving you see okay now we're saving fifty thousand a year and and maybe that increases and and then how did you decide the next step is real estate. You were maxing out 401ks, you were maxing out Roths, and how did you decide real estate? And then how did you decide you wanted to buy a place yourself versus doing a syndication or some other sort of investment? All right, I see. Um, well, uh, we got to a point where uh, we, you know, we started after maxing out the, the uh, 401k and the Roth and everything else we could find that was tax advantage, 529s. Um, we, uh, we still had some money left over, and we started just to open up a traditional IRA account. Uh, but it, it didn't seem like it was a uh, wasn't there a whole lot a whole lot of benefit because uh, there's no tax tax benefits. So my wife, uh, her her family had always invested in real estate, and they kind of pushed her into it. Uh, so she pushed me into it. Um, and, uh, I was, like I said, I was completely against it because I didn't want to fix toilets. Uh, but she, she went on her own and, and, uh, found, found a real estate agent and she, uh, we told her exactly what we wanted. We wanted to be, we just wanted to be for investment, uh, for, for a rental property. And she found one perfect house. It was, uh, um, it was, uh, you know, always get the worst house in the best neighborhood. <laughs> That's what it was. Hmm. Um, so, uh, and, and because of that, and we bought it at the bottom of the market, I think in new seven. And so since then it's probably gone up to two and a half times, maybe almost three in value. We just, I think we just got lucky uh, a little bit. Um, and, uh, because that house was successful, we bought another one and then, uh, uh we were just going to stop at two, and I remember listening to Clark Howard one day, and he said, uh, 
uh, interest rates will never be this low again in our lifetime. And I just thought I was not. I was nodding my head. I was just saying that because that's true. We have to buy one more. <laughs> so we bought our third house. Um, and I, I think that's gonna. That's enough because it's it's starting to to get to the point where we have to start taking free time away to actively manage these properties. And uh, I'd rather not. I think it's it's good way where it is right now. So how much are you putting down on each of these? Of these properties and what's your mortgage rate um because we bought at the uh during the crisis um and lenders were very hesitant to uh give out uh, mortgages so um we uh, it was almost required to put down a, a good chunk and we put down 25 percent um we found that that was enough to uh, um get the loans um and we had to also write all these letters about we have experience as landlords and um, uh, you know what our rent's going to be, how we're going to manage it, et cetera. And only then we got approved. Um, the the mortgages uh, end up to be about on some properties it was about a covered rent and uh, or rent covered mortgage and and uh, but nowadays we're we're turned to profit. And the mortgages were all a 15-year. And what percent were those at? Uh, maybe two and two and a quarter, two and a half. Wow. wow yeah. That's with really the, well. yeah, with the 30-years, you could get three uh, back then. and uh, But at a 15-year, you can go down to the low twos. Wow. And, we and how, much are those, how much are those cash flowing a month for you now? Uh, all together, I'd say... Forty six hundred, I think. Yeah. So yeah, there a month. Yeah. So after the but, after the mortgage payments. Oh no, no. Uh, after the mortgage, very little, maybe four hundred. Gotcha. But you'll have those but, paid off pretty soon. You mentioned. Yes, twenty twenty three is the big day. Uh, so that's uh, that's when all the all the mortgages go away, <laughs> and yeah. that's the day I'm trying to convince my wife I can retire. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you a, a a submission we had from a listener from from Paul. I know you have a couple of kids, so he asks, "How do you think of uh, generational wealth, and what do you plan to pass down to your children? How uh, will you support them after college, if at all?" Yes, uh, I've read stories or I read books about this. I think it was uh, the Millionaire Next Door. I think about the uh, the family that spent. Um, so yeah, I. I'm a firm believer that if you give too much, uh, the kids won't um, won't try as hard as they should. So we're going to we're definitely going to support them through college. Um, but after that, they're on their own. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we'll we'll definitely leave an inheritance when we when we pass on. But uh, I don't want yeah I, I honestly don't want them to look at us as a you know way to yeah. live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one more question from him. He, he asks, "What are your? What do you expect your future returns to be? And and what are the biggest risks you see to growing and maintaining your wealth?" Uh, let's see. Um, could you repeat the first question again? I'm sorry. Uh, what What are your What are the biggest risks that you see? And then, what do you what do you expect your future grow your future earnings to be? 
Okay. Biggest risks, I'd say, um, I guess the market just totally tank. Um, I don't know, World War Three, maybe, I guess. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, we, it's, uh, we, we've uh, ran some, what do you call it, computer models with uh, an advisor. And uh, assuming we work for seven more years, uh, it's it's uh, there's like a like a one out of two thousand chance we might uh, lose everything, and that includes <laughs> World Wars too. Uh, so it's uh, I think we're we're feeling pretty good. Uh, I don't know maybe a lawsuit, uh, but we have insurance against that too. I, I we've we're pretty well set I think. Um, and the other question, I'm sorry again. What do you expect your returns to be in the future? I guess right. it's more more for your market investments. Right. Um, whew. I don't know. Are you, is he talking about uh, how much we're going to pull out when we retire? I or? think your just your IRR on your market investments. So maybe what do you expect to make on your on your K your Roth investments? Going I see. Forward. What am I? What are we assuming? Uh, like the rate of return. Yeah. Do you expect yeah. it to be the same? Do you expect it to, you know, go down? I mean, I guess you compare it to historically what your returns been. Yeah, your, I think. Yeah, I think the but the it's safe to assume a seven percent or a six percent. I think that's a, that's very conservative. Um, you know, having gone through that that crash in '07, and I, you know, the everyone's four hundred one k got demolished, and mine included. I think it went, but down by half. Uh, I. I panicked a little bit, but I knew that you know you have faith in the market. So I, you know, you put more money in, you keep putting money in while everyone was uh, selling. Uh, and in retrospect, that was also a great boon because you got to buy stocks at a discount. Um, so it uh, it really helped uh, in the long term. Um, yeah. Do you know what your uh, rate of return's been? I I know that was uh, something to look for, but I honestly don't know what it was. I tried to find out, but uh, it's it's uh, it follows. It's mostly um, index funds, so whatever the market is, I would say. Gotcha. Cool. So you mentioned that you've got insurance against a potential lawsuit. What have you kind of done, you know, maybe with different insurances or, or different products to kind of ensure your wealth and to protect you and your family? Um, well, I've avoided uh, perm life for one. Uh, I think that's, uh, I mean, I can see the benefits of it, but there, there's just so much commission there. That's uh, from Clark Howard. Clark Howard. Uh, for life insurance, uh, we only bought, uh, a 20-year term life when we had our first kid, and the idea was just in case both of us passed away, um, he could get, you know, they would be taken care of. Um, but uh, we don't plan on renewing that when they're old enough to support themselves. You know, I don't think there's any need. Um, and for uh, a general umbrella policy, we got one mostly for the rentals, uh, just so just in case something happened outside of the normal coverage, like, a, I don't know, um, you know, if, if there's a fire, we'd be covered uh, with normal fire insurance, but if there was, I don't know, a flood for some reason, or um, um, uh, they someone tripped 
on a toilet or and hurt the head. So we just wanted to protect, our, protect ourselves against that. Good stuff. So, John, you've you've done super well. You mentioned a little bit earlier, maybe seven years down the road, you're you're looking at retirement. What does the future hold? Do you have a target net worth you want to get to in those next seven years? Or are you really putting a hard stop on retirement in seven years? Passive income, are you going to acquire some more real estate? Or what's kind of the plan going forward? Um, we're just kind of coasting right now. Uh, the seven-year uh, number is, is I wouldn't say artificial, but there is there is a kind of a hidden goal there. It, uh, it has to do with college tuition. Um my wife has, there's a benefit she'll get if she continues to work for seven years where our kids can potentially go to college at, uh, at no charge. Um, so that, it, in, with today's tuition, that uh, that's probably worth a quarter million. Um, so that uh, maybe each. Um, and that's sort of what we're working for. And, uh, and, and after talking to our advisors, we, we kind of already have enough to retire sooner um so we're just kind of i might always say that we're spending too much money <laughs> so we're still maxing out our 401ks or maxing out uh everything else we can um but we're uh sort of enjoying life uh, right now um how, how much do you usually spend a year um let's see my wife knows more than i do but i would say we're Combined, we're uh, right around a hundred thousand, I'd say. That so you're spending in, in you, ninety, and you're you shared with us that you're making more than double that, right? So you've got your bank and saving at least half your money at this point. Yeah, well, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, gross though. So after, so after taxes, after, after taxes, yeah. call it thirty percent, probably you're saving. Yep. And that's been that's has that been right. historically roughly about that? Have you always kind of saved about thirty percent? I would say uh, 10 years ago, we saved more. It was probably closer to 40. Okay. Cool. What mistakes have you made along the way? uh, I would say, well, the first biggest life mistake was uh, uh, getting caught up in the uh, impress others. Lifestyle, like buying a car you can't afford or buying too much house. Um, And uh, the biggest financial mistake, I think was assuming all right so i uh i came into a small windfall with some stock options um at a tech company and i uh i knew there was going to be a, a huge tax implication that year uh, and i assumed you could offset that that gain by selling other stocks at losses and that is not true um so I sold uh, a bunch of good stock I had, but that was down during that uh, that year. It was like I had I sold Google Google at like two fifty and Apple under hundred because I knew I wanted to take as much loss as possible. And if I held on to those, those would uh, be I don't know how to want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, uh, you can only I think uh, deduct. Three thousand, I think, a year is the limit. I just want to share too that your wife bought a Amazon, right, at thirty-four dollars. Yes, she reminds me all the time too. <laughs> you still <laughs> have it? Or did you uh, sell? We don't. We uh, we sold it to buy our our fifth home, um, 
but uh, when, I remember the day she bought it because it was after the dot com crash, and uh, uh, we had we had just started playing the market. And then she told me, "Oh, I bought Amazon, this company." And I said, "I told her, uh, e commerce is dead. That was a mistake. We should sell it." Now. <laughs> <laughs> that just she reminds you of that comment. And she does all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one more question before we go into some rapid-fire questions with you. Sure. How How is your, your financial security and as you've built your wealth, how has it affected both your confidence level and, and your happiness levels? Uh, uh, very good. Uh, very positive. Uh, so confidence-wise, um, you know that um, no matter how, how thing, bad things get, you know, if you compare yourself with you know the average american uh you know you're really well off you know there's a uh, no matter what goes what could happen you're at least financially um you're you're almost set i guess yeah and uh for uh for i'm sorry what was the other thing happiness happiness yes um so i read it in a i read an article uh i think in fact, I heard it. I listened to one of your other podcasts uh, to prepare, and uh, the gentleman he said there's like there's a magic number of seventy thousand a year, uh, where you, you know there's that saying money can't buy happiness, but it can up until about seventy thousand a year. <laughs> um, so at that point, you're kind of you don't have to really worry. Uh, so there's no stress about you know putting food on the table or missing bills or getting late, um, and that's uh, honestly true. You don't really you never have to think about money as uh, you know, can I buy this or can I afford this or should we do this or, you know, am I making a mistake buying this thing? You can just get whatever you want. Um, you know, if we can, if you want to go on vacation, you can, um, if you want to get the nicer room, you can. Um, Cause we're at a point where it, it doesn't really, you know, an extra thousand is not, He's <laughs> almost breaking, um, but like an extra thousand dollars is not going to kill us. It's a right, right. It's, it's a nice feeling to be able to think that way. All right, I want to ask you some uh, some rapid fire questions here. Okay. So, the most expensive pair of jeans or pants that you've ever purchased? Oh, I'm super frugal with clothes. Um, my I hate to say, but my wife buys <laughs> my clothes. I'd say uh, jeans, pair of Levi's. I don't know what they go for. Like, 40 bucks. Yeah, something like uh, that. Yeah. Most expensive pair of shoes might be the same thing. You don't know. Shoes, yeah. I just get what's on sale, uh, maybe 60. <laughs> okay, most expensive car. Uh, so I like cars. <laughs> that's my, uh, that's where I kind of spend money. Um, so I bought my, uh, a dream car of mine. Um, and I bought it used, um, but it was a Porsche 911 um, for 32000 Awesome. And I just want to share, too, that you said when you first bought it, it had about a mechanic quoted you, right, at about $5,000 for repairs, and you ended up doing your, the work yourself for about $1,000 in parts. So I thought yes. that was pretty cool. Yes. So um, having read about the $300 oil change and, you know, everything requires the engine to be pulled out, I gave myself a personal goal to uh, learn about cars and how to fix them before buying it, because I wouldn't feel right buying. I don't know. I think it's a. I would say it's a frivolous thing, without being kind of 
financially uh, um, what's the word uh, responsible about it. Uh-huh. So um, I watched tons of YouTube, and this was also the time where I started fixing things. So it was, uh, also became kind of a challenge uh, to myself. And uh, it's something I always wanted to do was understand cars better. And uh, once you once you understand, I guess the subsystems like the cooling system and the ignition system, it's not too difficult. They're all very very similar. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, when I bought the car, it was probably the worst one <laughs> in America. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was uh, the the owner. He had, I think he went. He said he had five Porsches at the time, but this is the one he neglected. Wow. So he uh, it, he got it painted, but he never sealed the sunroof. So it got rained on and you know the carpets were kind of mildewy so i uh, i still bought it uh cuz the mechanics said the, uh, the engine was in uh, good shape um and uh uh it, it was yeah it needed a lot of work and when i went to take it for an alignment after changing the suspension they wouldn't they wouldn't give me alignment because of there was so much wrong with the suspension to begin with, and they found all these other problems. Uh, they found a rat's nest <laughs> on the engine. Uh, they found uh, the uh, there was an oil leak that ate through all the spark plug wires and um, uh, a gazillion other things. Um, but yeah, they said five thousand. So I uh, I bought the parts and uh, it took a long time, but I eventually got it all done. And I was so nervous turning the key because <laughs> I had so many parts out, um, but it started up. That was a relief. Wow, good for you. That's impressive. Uh, most expensive meal out that you've paid for? Um, so my father turned uh, 70 recently, and we went out to uh, one of those, uh, you know, Fogo de Chaos, where they, uh, it's a Spanish places where they, cut the meat off on the sword things um anyway i took the family and extended family it was probably i don't know 1200 but it was my dad's 70th gotcha okay uh what's what's worth spending more money on one thing you said was cars what's worth it you said well yeah what's worth spending more money on to you and and, and getting something higher quality or more expensive uh, having worked on things, tools, uh, you get exactly what you pay for with tools. Um, um, you know, you can skimp some places like, like a hammer. The hammer doesn't have to be high quality. <laughs> it just hits things. Uh, but, uh, like things like drills or, uh, ratchets and, uh, and saws, uh, spend a little bit more and get the, you know, made in American quality, uh, cause then it'll last your entire life. Okay. And what's not worth the money on, or what are you a little cheaper on? I don't like going out to eat because <laughs> I think paying for a steak, fifty dollars for a steak is ridiculous. Because I think I can make just as good a steak, you know, <laughs> from one from Costco. <laughs> nice, we're coming over. Uh, what What's your uh, high school and college GPA? High school was a three eight something, um, and college considerably lower. <laughs> Well, I think a two point eight. I got. Uh, I almost didn't didn't graduate college. Never uh, had some uh, personal issues, but um, I withdrew college uh, after my junior year, and I worked in retail. And there is no better motivator to finish college than working two years in retail. <laughs> 
And then, uh, I guess, through your working life, what's been your range of salary? I started out of college at 30000 um, and uh, I quickly, uh, I guess, being in a, uh, the tech area, uh, that quickly ballooned up to eighty. I guess, within, I want to say, four years. Um, I stayed at the same company. They just, uh, they were very generous with their... Uh, Reasons, awesome. and uh, and I'd say for the past five, maybe five six years, I've been six figures. Awesome. Uh, last question here. So we kind of talked about keeping up with the Joneses a little bit. Just in closing, how did you overcome that? And and you know, in today's day with all these social media and 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 all the different apps, how, how can someone kind of move on from that and and what advice do you give to those that are trying to save their money and invest and and to become a millionaire and financially successful i see yes it's uh it's difficult especially when you're really into it uh or you're living in it all the time um uh all the people that you're trying to impress they're uh they're not really impressed i guess uh they you have to um I guess that's to be an interchange. You have to understand that people that you know have you know a BMW or or the nice watch and tailored suits, they're probably broke, um, and uh, all they're doing is putting on an image. Um, the the guy you know the guy in jeans and a t-shirt uh, you know driving the the old Honda, um, he's probably doing really well, um, and he's the guy that you should look up to. Uh, because in the end, um, he's gonna he's gonna be the one that retires, and the uh, the show off is still gonna be broke. And I know people personally, and uh, in, in even people in my family that are still caught up in a lot of this lifestyle. And uh, I know <laughs> that they'll never retire. <laughs> um, Good stuff, John, with a net worth of three point one million. Thanks for coming on the show today. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, John. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.